Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, everybody? This is Jamie, and this is the walkthrough headed into the bye week. So we had a challenging game this weekend with the Raiders, probably a lot more difficult than people expected. Seemed like it was going to be a walk in the park after the first half, and the Chargers kind of let up and let the Raiders in the game. So with no game this week, I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to talk a little bit about that game again after having watched some of the film. Uh, talk a little bit about some things that went right. Talk about some of the unsung, unsung heroes from the game. And also talk a little bit about some things the Chargers can do to help improve themselves uh, during the bye week and get ready for the second, the last two-thirds of the season. So let's go ahead and get started. I want to talk a little bit about three things that I thought went well for the Chargers. We talked a lot on After Hours about things that we were upset with, uh, personnel, decisions, play calls, how certain people played. So I want to kind of start with an uh, with an upbeat thing, talk a little bit about three things that went well. I thought the first thing that went really well for the Chargers was the safety play. Um, they've had some struggles at safety this year. They've had some issues covering the back end in particular. Um, you know, blown coverages, guys not being where they're supposed to be, giving up explosive plays. It's been a big problem. Uh, it's been a really big problem really since Brandon Staley got here, but it's showed up a lot this year in particular, you know, allowing guys like Ryan Tannehill, the complete explosive plays and giving up. I think, I believe the Chargers have led the league in explosive plays allowed so far for the first four weeks. So things that the defense isn't supposed to be doing, it's supposed to be the strength of the defense and it's been an issue. And we didn't really see as much of that this week, uh, 
against the Raiders. And it's because the safeties who started and played that entire game, I thought played probably the best game of any safety duo the Chargers have played this year. So I wanted to give a big shout out to Dean Marlowe and Raheem Lane for the games that they played. Uh, both those guys were pretty interchangeable. They played in the box. Uh, they played too high. They played single high. They helped bracket Devontae Adams at times. Uh, and both were more or less flawless. I think I saw one or two questionable pursuit angles from Dean Marlowe uh, in run support. But other than that, both Raheem Lane and Dean Marlowe showed up big time in run support. Uh, they were both outstanding in coverage. Uh, I saw Marlowe on several occasions helping get guys lined up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, at times it seemed like he was telling people which plays the Raiders were running, uh, which was really encouraging. And they were able to disguise their plays, rotate Lane and Heem, Heem, rotate Lane and Marlowe um, kind of seamlessly from free safety to strong safety and cover the back end basically flawlessly. Both guys were in position several times to break up deep shots. Um, <clears throat> there were a couple of plays where I thought Marlowe was going to pick off Aiden O'Connell. Both of them played fantastic. So I think they both deserve a lot of credit. Uh, neither one of them has played a whole lot so far um, during the regular season. Marlowe in particular just came up from the practice squad. So to see him helping get guys lined up, kind of calling, you know, telling people what which plays the Raiders are running based on formations and personnel and really just blend in seamlessly, I thought was amazing. So both those guys deserve a huge amount of credit for the preparation and the way that they played on Sunday. <clears throat> because if, if they allow even one explosive play down the field, if they give up even one long touchdown, um, one blown coverage, one missed tackle, that game could turn out differently. So big kudos to both those guys for playing as well as they did. I think we'll talk a little bit about them a little bit later when we talk about some tweaks the Chargers can make um, headed into the, the, the rest of the season after the bye week. Um, but I think both those guys earned more opportunities and they should both be proud of the way they played. And I think Chargers fans should really be giving them a lot of credit for, uh, you know, seamlessly stepping in and playing as well as they did and just blending in. I think the best compliment you can play, you can pay a couple of guys who don't play a whole lot is you really didn't notice them during the game. I mean, if you were really paying attention, you did because they were always where they were supposed to be and they weren't making big mistakes. But, you know, if you're just casually watching the game and you're not, you're not watching some of these rotations and some of the disguises and some of the things that they were being asked to do, I think, you know, they more or less blended in. They didn't stick out. They weren't a problem. Um, and they, they made major con contributions to a really important win to help get the team back to two and two. So kudos to those guys. They played extremely well. I think obviously the next thing that went really well, and it's been going on for a couple weeks now, is the pass rush. Um, I mean, how, how can you not applaud the pass rush when one player winds up with six sacks? I think as a team, they wound up with seven or eight. <clears throat> uh, we saw Khalil Mack win one-on-one. -on -one. We saw Khalil Mack win thanks to a well-schemed <clears throat> and executed stunts with Thule. 
we saw several plays where there were multiple chargers getting around and to Aiden O'Connell. Uh, they were able to provide a lot of pressure and they helped speed things up for O'Connell, made things difficult for him, uh, led to a lot of incompletions, forced three fumbles, recovered two of them. The pass rush was almost flawless, just like the safety play on Sunday. And that played a huge role in the Chargers ability to win that game. Uh, and that's really two weeks in a row, in my opinion, that the Chargers stepped up, put together a really, really good pass rush plan. Uh, and it was executed almost to perfection. So kudos to the pass rushers. You can, you can already see watching the film, Tooley's drawing a lot of attention. The Raiders were really worried about him going into that game. They doubled him. They chipped him. They frequently left Khalil Mack one-on-one with the tackles, and Mack took advantage of it. So you can tell Thule is earning a reputation as a threat on the edge. Teams are starting to game plan for him more so than they are for Mack. Uh, when the team gets Bosa back, hopefully after the bye, you're going to have three fresh pass rushers ready to go. And uh, we even saw some flashes from Chris Rumpf on Sunday. So I think the Chargers pass rush is something that should help carry this defense, especially with the way they're going after the ball when they get home. Uh, it's something that should really take a whole lot of pressure off of, <clears throat> off of the secondary and hopefully help speed things up for opposing quarterbacks and force some turnovers. So I think Brandon Staley deserves some credit for the design, and I think players deserve a lot of credit for executing and playing as well as they have in the last two weeks. And that's something that with the way they've been playing, I think can only continue and we can expect, hopefully expect to continue uh, when Bosa comes back. So a lot of credit to those guys. And I think the other thing that went well, and probably the, the other real big difference in this game is the Chargers red zone offense. The Chargers didn't move the ball a lot in this game, particularly in the second half. Uh, but when they did move the ball and they were able to get in the red zone, they generally punched the ball into the end zone. They were in the red zone four times. They scored three touchdowns and kicked one field goal. Uh, and that was really from a scoring perspective uh, with them taking advantage of some, of some short fields and putting the ball in the end zone when they, when they had the chance to do so. Um, <clears throat> that was the difference in the game. Chargers won the game by seven points. Raiders were two of five in the red zone. Chargers were three of four. So you can see right there how big of a difference that is and what that meant for that game. So I think, you know, Justin Herbert deserves a lot of credit for, in particular, rushing in that first touchdown when everybody was covered. Uh, really good to see him running the ball in the red zone and taking, you know, kind of taking the onus to make plays with his legs and be the athlete that he's capable of being. I think it's only going to make this offense that much better as they continue to move forward. Um, <clears throat> but also making a couple of, making at least one big throw to Keenan Allen for a touchdown on a really well-designed kind of pick play with a slant that got Allen open for the touchdown after the big, the dirty hit by Jerry Tillery in the second quarter. So uh, those are the three things that I think went particularly well for the Chargers in that game. Three things that I think they can build on uh, the, and that I think can help them in, we say the second half of the season, but really the last two thirds of the season. Are, these are things that I think they can lean on moving forward. So <clears throat> hopefully we see a lot more of that.
Next positive note. I want to talk a little bit about unsung heroes of this game. And really, I think there are two big ones. Um, the first one, and I've already mentioned him a little bit, and he's going to get a lot of run on this podcast because of how well he played. And that's Dean Marlowe. You're talking about a practice squad player who stepped in and filled in basically for Derwin, more or less. He and Raheem Lane both played strong safety, but we'll say for now, Marlowe basically filled in for Derwin. Um, he's helping get guys lined up. He's letting guys know which plays the Raiders are running based on formations and personnel groupings. Uh, he played a huge role in doubling and bracketing Devontae Adams and really didn't make any mistakes there. He was pretty much flawless in his rotations, in his disguises, did a great job covering up the back end. Pretty much any time the Raiders tried to throw the ball deep for a big play, he was right there with the corner in position and had a chance to make a play on the football. Uh, I don't think the Chargers win this game uh, if Raheem Lane and in particular Dean Marlowe are not on the back end doing what they did as well as they did uh, given how little they've played so far this season. So Marlowe is a big unsung hero for me. Uh, he made the coverage on the back end look so much better this week. And he's a guy who deserves a lot more playing time. And I hope the coaches see it. And I hope that they're looking for ways to keep him on the field, uh, both on special teams, but especially on defense, because they need that. They just need that steady play back there. Um, they just haven't had it for a while and they need that steady play. And I think we'll get to this in a little bit when we talk about some of the bi-week tweaks that the Chargers can make. But I think having him in the back end and him being able to do the things that he did against the Raiders and continue to develop those things uh, probably allows the Chargers to do to use Derwin James more in the way that he should be used, uh, which I think has been a problem. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But once again, unsung hero, Dean Marlowe, he was outstanding on Sunday really came up huge. And I think what he did in coverage, particularly in the back end, uh, you know, playing single high, playing too high, bracketing Devonte Adams. He was such a huge part of the game plan, which is not something you would normally expect for a practice squad player playing his first game with the team. Uh, but he could not have been any better. So he deserves a ton of credit last unsung hero. And this one might surprise some of you, but he made a big play at the end of the game that a lot of people probably missed. And that is Joshua Kelly. So everybody's talking about the 50-yard bomb Herbert threw at the end of the game to get that last first down. Backs against the wall, third and 10. I think they're inside their own 25. Two unsuccessful running plays. They need a first down to put the game away. Uh, and Herbert goes super Herbert, puts the cape on, and throws the ball deep to Joshua Palmer. You know, you think you could list Joshua Palmer as the unsung hero. You could list Herbert as the hero, not unsung, obviously, because everybody knows what Herbert does for this team to win games. But <clears throat> Kelly did something that I think a lot of people probably missed, and that is he made maybe the best pass protection block of his career, probably his life, uh, picking up a free pass rusher to give Herbert the time he needed to get that pass off. Without that, Herbert maybe gets sacked, maybe you get a, a, a strip a strip sack, a fumble, something like that to give the Raiders a chance to get back in the game. Uh, certainly they're getting the ball back. 
with good field position with the way J.K. Scott had been punting, and who knows how that game turns out. You need another stop from a much maligned defense. So Kelly stepping up, picking off that free rusher, giving Herbert the time he needs to step up into the pocket and make a big throw for a 50-yard completion on third and 10 to ice the game. Uh, it does not get much bigger than that. So we can talk about his struggles running the ball the last few weeks with Eckler out. Uh, he certainly has not been very efficient, although he had some good runs this week. Um, the vision, he struggled with at times. I still don't think they're using him particularly well in terms of how they're asking him, the plays they're asking him to run, and the scheme they're running from a running perspective. Uh, but for him to step up and make that block was huge because pass protection has not really been a strength of his. Uh, and he made a big block in a huge moment to give his quarterback time to win the game and his quarterback won the game. So Kelly deserves a lot of credit as an unsung hero of this game uh, to give Herbert the opportunity to make that play. So good job, Joshua Kelly, huge play for you, huge play for the team, gets the team back to 500, all good. Next, we're going to finish up here. We're going to talk about some things the Chargers can do from a personnel perspective and from a scheme perspective to help improve in the, down the stretch of the season in the last what 13 weeks of the season. <clears throat> um, for me, I think it starts with some personnel tweaks. Um, and part of this is, is dependent upon Austin Eckler being back after the bye week which that sounded like he was close to being back this week. So hopefully with an extra week of rest, he will be back and ready to go um, in week six. But the first thing that I would do, and some of you aren't going to like this, but it is what it is. Uh, I would send Elijah Dotson down to the practice squad and I would call up, I would have Dean Marlowe stay on the roster. And the reason that I would do that is because I think Marlowe needs to play more on defense. Um, the Chargers are limited at safety right now. Very limited at safety. And the reason they're limited at safety is because they really can't rely on Alohi Gilman to play single high safety. Um, he's okay playing too high, but he's just not, he doesn't have the range to play single high safety. And he is a liability. He's somebody defenses will go after if he's playing deep. And frankly, he's just not the athlete that he needs to be to be able to make the open field tackles and get the right angles on guys after they catch the ball in the second and third levels of the defense. So <clears throat> Gilman, you know, I praised him uh, after the Vikings game. He's the scrapper. I thought he was a guy who gave the defense a lot of fight in the Vikings game. I'm not saying necessarily that you take him off the field, um, but I think you start altering the rotation a little bit. Um, because I think Gilman's a bit of a liability and I still think they're figuring out whether or not they can trust uh, JT Woods and JT Woods is banged up. He's having some health issues right now. No, no idea if he's even going to be ready to play by week six. So I would keep Marlowe on the 53. I would find more opportunities to rotate Marlowe and lane and have them on the field with Derwin James, because I think having those guys back there gives you some level of, not certainty, but at least security uh, that you have safeties back there who can help disguise what you're doing, who can. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play pretty much any coverage. Help with the rotations. And most importantly, free up Derwin James. Um, I think... One of the issues they've had with the defense and people are people said after um, a lot of Chargers fans, I should say, said after the game this week that the Chargers are better with Derwin James off the field, that Marlowe and Lane are the best safety group the Chargers have. And I think that's a little bit of recency bias. Um, I also think it's kind of missing the plot. And the reason I say that is because. I'm a big believer that the Chargers do not use Derwin James properly, and a lot of it is because they can't use him properly. Derwin James is at his best playing near the line of scrimmage, playing in the box, maybe playing some slot, playing some edge, uh, maybe even playing some linebacker, giving them some more speed and some play recognition at linebacker, uh, some instincts, some playmaking ability. I think one of the issues they have right now with Kendricks and Murray on the field is they don't have a lot of playmaking ability. They have guys who will make the tackle four or five yards down the field. Murray will flash every once in a while as a blitzer. Uh, But Derwin gives them coverage options at linebacker when he's there. Um, He is a better blitzer than Murray. Uh, He just is more instinctive and is more likely to make plays in the run game and help shore up the run game. So I think what they need to do is free up Derwin to play closer to the line of scrimmage. And I think you do that by finding more snaps for Raheem Lane and for Dean Leonard. Um, so that you at least have somebody back there who you know can help bracket people. You know he can play single high. He can find the ball. He's pretty much always in position. And, you know, I'm sure there are going to be mistakes made. He's human. It's going to happen. And he's still learning the system. But he looks so comfortable out there and so confident. And he just looks the part. He covers more ground. He He's where he's supposed to be. He understands the coverages. He understands his assignments. And he executes. And he can tackle. So he's, he kind of, um, Marlowe in a lot of ways kind of fills in the gaps that are left when Gilman and JT Woods are on the field. So at least until Woods is back, I think Marlowe and Lane need to be rotating more with Gilman and they need to find ways to get those guys on the field quite a bit more. I don't know if it's in dime packages with three safety looks and maybe that's the answer. Maybe Gilman comes off the field when you're running three safeties and you get Lane and Marlowe out there. But either way, both those guys need to be on the field more so that Derwin can play closer to the line of scrimmage and attack and hunt the football. Because I think the further he plays away from the line of scrimmage, the less instinctive he is and the more mistakes he's liable to make. So just help him out, simplify things for him, move him closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, The next one, and this one's an obvious one, to me, I think the bye week is the perfect opportunity to end the Trey McKitty experiment. Uh, and I do that by removing McKitty from 
the 53 and replacing him with Nick Vanette, who we know can at least block. And Vanette was a bit of a playmaker in college. So maybe there's an opportunity to get a little bit more out of your tight end four than what you're currently getting. But all I know right now is McKitty is a liability as a blocker. He is not offering anything as a wide receiver at all. <clears throat> he I was a wide receiver as a receiving tight end, I should say at all. Uh, he just is not a very good football player. And anytime he's on the field, he is a liability. So I would remove McKitty from the roster. If they still feel like there's something left that they can squeeze out of him, put him on the practice squad. Nobody is going to pick up Trey McKitty. I am extremely confident of that. And if your issue with cutting McKitty at this point is somebody might pick him up, I would say, be my guest. Take this headache on all you want. Get this guy out of here. He is not an asset to this team. He has not been since he's been here. And it's time to stop playing around. If you want to win football games, find a tight end who can block. Bottom line, tight end four has to be able to block. He's got to be able to contribute on special teams. We know Nick Vanette can do this. So for the love of God, please end the Trey McKitty experiment and put an actual NFL tight end on the field. This has been a complete waste of a pick, a complete waste of time, and it's time to get this guy off the field. And especially right now with Donald Parham dealing with a sprained wrist, hopefully he's back by week six. But if not, you've got to get another able body on the field. So time to make that adjustment. Uh, I also think there are some things they can do from a schematic point to help themselves. And we talked a little bit about this on After Hours. <clears throat> First thing I do is whatever the playbook is right now for QJ, scrap it. It's time to start incorporating more manufactured touches for QJ. Uh, give him some jet sweeps. Maybe put in some shovel passes for him. Um, you know, some bubble screens, some smoke screens, some pick plays. Get him the ball quickly off the line of scrimmage with blockers in front of him. Give him an opportunity to do what he does, which is not jump balls, by the way, and never has been. Give him the opportunity to make people miss. Give him the opportunity to make plays with his feet, with his legs after the catch. Make somebody miss, turn a three-yard gain into a 10, 15, 20-yard gain. Create some chunk plays without having to throw the ball down the field. Um, they're running a lot of this horizontal passing game, but they're running it for Keenan. They're running it for Mike Allen. At times, they're running it for Everett. The one guy they should be running it for, but they're not, is QJ. And they're and as a result, they're really making QJ a waste of a first-round pick. Now, I realize it's only four weeks in. There's plenty of time to expand his role, and there's no better time to do that than during the bye week. So stop using this kid as a decoy. Get the ball in his hands quickly, in space. Give him a chance to make people miss. This is what he does. This is his strength. He's going to make plays down the field eventually, and right now the best way to help that happen is to get him the ball near the line of scrimmage. Within two or three yards of either side of the line of scrimmage with a couple blockers in front, give him a chance to make people miss let him be an athlete just let him play simplify things maybe a little less route running and just get him the ball off the snap and let him make people miss this is what he does this is why you drafted him let him do it it's not that hard next 
I think they need to use QJ in a little bit more of a quick slant game with Dig, get him slant, get in the ball, you know, in space with a slant on the move, digs, things like that. Things that are moving towards the middle of the field and space give him a chance to run away from people. Uh, this is a big part of their game anyway. They do it a lot with Keenan, uh, and they need to start doing it with QJ. Just get him the ball. If you're getting him the ball underneath, eventually people are going to start playing up on him, and it's going to give him a chance to run by people and make plays down the field. This is not rocket science. Use your first-round pick. Next, we talked about this on After Hours 2. I don't like the running scheme. In week one, they were very, very power-heavy. They ran straight downhill at the Dolphins. They averaged, I think, almost seven yards a carry. Uh, they had, what, three running backs? Two running backs run for all, almost run for 100 yards. They were extremely efficient. They were organized. They had an identity. They knew what they wanted to do. They went out and they executed it, and they ran the hell out of the football. Uh, last three weeks, that has not been the case. We've seen a lot of outside zone with Josh Kelly. We've seen Kelly trying to stretch and bounce plays outside which, I mean, this is year four. We've seen Kelly. We know Kelly's a downhill runner. He's a one-cut-and-go kind of a guy. Kelly is not effective running east-west. He never has been. He doesn't have the vision. He doesn't have the explosiveness. He is not somebody who's going to consistently beat people to the edge. It's just not who he is. Uh, the coaches should know this. Uh, it's starting to make me wonder if this outside zone thing is an edict from the front office or if this is just something Staley wants so badly that he's not happy with running power. But whatever the answer is, and I'm not, I'm speculating here. I don't know. And I'm not saying it's Staley's fault. I'm not saying it's the front office's fault. But what I do know is power worked while, while Lombardi was here. It was always the best aspect, the best design of their running game. And they never seemed willing to commit to it. Now we've seen with the new offensive line, it's how they get traction in the running game in the new offensive scheme, and they still seem unwilling to commit to it. So we've changed offensive coordinators. The attitude towards running power and the, I guess, desire or objective of running more outside zone uh, has not changed. So if you change offensive coordinators and you change play callers and things don't change, it probably means there's something from within that's forcing the play caller's hand. And that's a little frustrating, but if they want to be effective and they want to run the ball better, they need to have an identity. And I think anybody who's watched this team in the last three years knows that that identity is as a power running football team downhill. Let your big offensive lineman fire off the ball and eat at the second level. This is what they do. This is how they're successful running the ball. Please run more power. This has to be a part of how they're going to, change and improve the running game uh, through the last 13 weeks of the season. It has to be. It's time. Let's commit. It works. We know it works. Anybody who watches this team run, run the football with, with any success knows that this is what works. So why are we not doing it? I don't know, but it's time to do it more. Uh, the other thing, in my opinion, is they're giving way too many touches to uh, – Joshua Kelly. Uh, they need to start giving more touches to Isaiah Spiller. Spiller is a better receiver out of the backfield. He has better vision. He's more suited to the uh, the outside zone type running plays that we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. But he's also a tough physical inside runner who finishes his runs. 
and he would thrive in power running game. He's the biggest, strongest, most powerful back on the team. And he needs to be on the field more. It's just going to make the running game better. And they're going to get more out of some of these check down plays. So they need more spiller and they need more power. And that's what's going to make this offense better from a running perspective, in my opinion. Next, the Chargers did something on Sunday that I don't remember seeing them do too much of in the first three games, but they had some success running scissors concepts, uh, kind of setting up picks downfield, um, using Palmer to create space for Keenan uh, and Keenan kind of running wheel routes around Palmer and, and the, the defensive backs. This is something that set up a big play to, to Keenan in the second quarter, I believe. I think it happened right before the Jerry Tillery hit. Um, and it's something that I think Herbert is really comfortable running and he, he anticipates and he throws the ball really well into spots into, you know, gaps or uh, blind spots in the defense uh, when they run these kind of concepts. And I think this is something that can help not just get Keenan open, but it can help create big plays for QJ and it can help create big plays for Josh Palmer. So uh, I would like to see more scissors concepts, uh, more mesh points further down the field, trying to confuse the defense, set some downfield picks and get guys open deep. Uh, I think another thing that was really, really obvious to me watching the game and something that needs to change is I know they just trade, they just paid Trey Pipkins and Pipkins is coming off of his best season as a charger. And to be fair to Pipkins, he was pretty good the first three weeks. I believe I checked the stats and he and Slater were both in the top 10 among tackles in pass block win rate. Um, so he had been pretty good the first three weeks, but Pipkins was really in hell um, against the Raiders pass rushers in particular um, Max Crosby on Sunday. So <clears throat> I think they need to find ways to help Pipkins more. He can't be on an Island to get particularly against elite pass rushers like Crosby, but just in general, I don't think they can be putting him on an Island as often as they did on Sunday. Uh, they need to chip more with tight ends. They need to double team, uh, find ways to take some pressure off of him, get, get some extra bodies in his direction um, and, and help him out a little bit. So I think those are things that can certainly help the offense. We talked about, you know, more lane and Marlowe helping the defense. Uh, and I think just having a healthy Joey Bosa, hopefully, and being smarter about rotating him and continuing to develop, continuing to develop Chris Rumpf uh, as pass rusher four and getting him reps and certain looks to keep guys fresh will be really valuable. Uh, and obviously, I think they need to figure out what's going on with J.C. Jackson. Uh, the secondary has been rough. Uh, I know people were really excited about Jasir Taylor coming into the season. I don't think he's played particularly well. I thought he had a pretty rough day on Sunday against the Raiders. Uh, I think this defense really needs to be able to rely on J.C. Jackson and Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, as their corners. I just think if if Jackson is healthy and playing well and he's up to speed, that is their best corner trio. Uh, and I think they need to figure out how to get back to that. So... I know people want to believe that Jasir Jackson is, you know, going to be this great slot corner or Jasir Jackson. Jasir Taylor is going to be this great slot corner. Uh, 
I'm a little concerned. I think he looks a little slow on the field this year. He looks indecisive. He's been a little confused at times. He's given up some big plays, has not been as good in run support, has not been tackling as well. Um, I'm not sure he should be out there for a team that thinks that they have a shot at making the playoffs. We'll see how that develops, but this team would be in much better shape if they can figure out what's going on with JC Jackson and get him on the field and playing well again. It just makes everybody better. Um, so that's it for me. Uh, we talked about our three things that went well against the Raiders. Obviously we talked about safety play. We talked about pass rush, red zone offense. Those are really the things that won the game for the chargers. Uh, and with two of those things being defensive points, I think that's pretty encouraging for where the defense is now versus where they were after week one and two talked about our unsung heroes, Dean Marlowe and Josh Kelly both made big impacts on this game. Marlowe more throughout the course of the game and Kelly, obviously with that last block, but nonetheless, both those guys were huge, played huge roles in, in the chargers uh, week four win against the Raiders. And then we talked a little bit about bi-week tweaks. Got to move Dotson off to 53 and replace him with Dean Marlowe. Uh, need more of Marlowe and Lane playing safety, rotating to give an opportunity uh, for the coaches to free up Derwin James closer to the line of scrimmage. Get McKitty off the roster, replace him with Nick Vanette. More manu manufactured touches for QJ and also getting the ball to him on slants and digs in the middle of the field and giving him a chance to run with the ball. Uh, run more power and more touches for Isaiah Spiller more scissors concepts and pick plays, trying to get guys open downfield and more help for Pipkins. And I think all these things are, are things that they can do that can help the, the offense and the defense down the stretch and give them a chance to win some games. So that's it. That's the end of the walkthrough for this week. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, just a quick reminder, content every day, baby. Uh, Thursday, we're going to, we're going to record our weekly show. Uh, weekly live show, I should say, the roundtable. We've got mailbag. We've got bad tweets, uh, predictions. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about grades um, for the first four games of the season for the Chargers. Uh, players, coaches, all that jazz. Uh, we got Craig on Friday with I Got Five on it. Sunday after the game, well, not this week, but next week, Sundays, Sunday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday after games. We've got After Hours, uh, Garrett on Tuesdays with Score More, and obviously me right here on Wednesdays with the walkthrough. And hopefully next week we will have a guest for the opponent. So right back to the old, the original intent of this show and the original format. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. I know, we're, I, know I speak for Garrett and for Craig when I say we're having a blast producing all this content. It's been a lot of fun and I hope everybody is enjoying it. So thank you all and uh, go chargers. <laughs>